Welcome to People in Profit and a special show focusing on all things tech. I'm Kate Moody. Coming up, the wave of layoffs continues to shake Silicon Valley. From global giants to startups, we look at what's behind the job cuts. How are new innovations like artificial intelligence changing the way we work and recruit? Cisco's global innovation officer talks us through the challenges and opportunities. And are you ready to board a plane without a pilot? Airbus tests a new model powered by AI software. From hiring spree to firing spree, that's what's happened in the tech industry in the space of just 12 months. From startups to some of the world's biggest corporations, the layoffs began last year as growth and profits slowed. One website that's been tracking the layoffs says nearly 100,000 workers have been fired from some 300 firms just since the start of 2023. Charles Pelligrance here with more. Give us a rundown of some of the major job cuts that we've seen in the tech sector. Well, since the start of 2022, over 255,000 tech workers have had to leave their jobs at over 1,300 different companies around the world. The biggest cuts happened at the biggest groups. Amazon let go of 18,000 people in two rounds of cuts, and Google's parent company, Alphabet, gave the pink slip to 12,000 people worldwide. While Facebook's Meta cut its workforce by 13%, bidding farewell to 11,000 employees. Other big names like Microsoft, Salesforce, and Dell are also pairing back. The percentages are relatively small, but the actual figures are considered historic. Those are some of the richest companies in the world. How did they get to this point? Well, 2022 was a very difficult year for them because of decisions many made earlier during the pandemic. With growing demand from consumers stuck at home and online, tech companies went on a hiring spree, offering lucrative pay packages to attract the best and brightest in the profession. Both Microsoft and Google increased their headcount by more than half. But then people were allowed to leave the house again, and their spending habits reverted back to a pre-pandemic normal, something that was compounded by rising inflation, which further dampened demand. And that's when the tech sector had to go into cost-cutting mode. So what does this say about the overall health of the tech sector? Well, this signals a paradigm shift uh, in the industry. The priority used to be growth at all costs and as quickly as possible. And now the attitude is more defensive. It's about preserving what's already there. Between the end of 2008 and 2021, the tech sector lived through the long boom, a period of unprecedented growth where the Nasdaq, the main marketplace for tech shares, grew tenfold. In 2022, its value dropped 33%, but companies are still cash-rich and generating billions in profits. And with low unemployment, laid-off tech workers are getting back on their feet quickly. One survey found that 8 out of 10 of them found a new job within three months. Charles Pellegrin, thanks so much for that update. Well, another challenge for the industry is the new technology that's revolutionizing the way we work. After years of research and investment, artificial intelligence is now being put into practice. Google, for example, has unveiled its own chatbot powered by AI. And Microsoft is integrating chat GPT technology from OpenAI to its search engine to generate human-like responses. Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella hailed it as a pivotal moment. But look, it's an exciting time uh, in tech. Uh, you know, the broad contours of this uh, next platform uh, are just getting clearer and clearer each day. Uh, the advances, what's possible, 
Uh, that's what obviously excites us. Let's speak now to Guy Diedrich, Senior Vice President and Global Innovation Officer at Cisco. Thank you for joining us on France 24. I want to start by asking you about ChatGPT. It's been making waves over the last few months on track to surpass 100 million users, and it has the potential to really disrupt whole industries. What changes, both positive and negative, does Cisco anticipate as a result? Well, I think they're primarily going to be positive changes. I mean, the generative AI category uh, has great potential, potential in medicine, potential in education. And really, I think the key here is to make sure that number one, we are, as we are developing AI and we're starting to see its influence spread, that we make sure that there's not any bias built into that AI. That's the key. If we are just simply writing AI and inserting our biases, then all we're doing is automating that bias globally. And that's when it'll actually become a potential threat. These innovations do raise some questions about user safety and data privacy in particular. Is that something that you're concerned about? Data privacy is always something that we are concerned about. But really, privacy is about two things, right? It's about security, making sure that that data is secure. And it's about transparency so that the provider of data is able to know how their data is being used in a very, very transparent way. It's all about trust. Users establish that trust through making sure that there is absolute transparency in the transaction. Because if you think about it, from the outset, whenever somebody is uh, providing data, they are the vulnerable party. Cisco's been investing a lot in training new generations of workers. Are the skill sets that are needed different as this technology advances? Yeah, absolutely. The, the skill sets are, are, are different. And that's the nice thing about the Networking Academy. That's Cisco's um, uh, program for training up the next generation of digital age workers. 25 years ago, Networking Academy was started ultimately to train up workers to install uh, our networking equipment and to maintain it and to innovate. As trends started to change, as the needs of the students and the learners around the world started to change, so did our networking academy. So we started to provide training in cybersecurity, in programming, in IoT or Internet of Things, and a variety of other subjects. So essentially, wherever the learner goes, that's where our networking academy goes. And today, we have trained up over 17 and a half million students around the world in 190 different countries. And we aim to, uh, to train up another 25 million over the next 10 years. Training isn't just about the private sector, though. Do you think that governments are investing enough in training and education? I think governments are doing a very good job because I run a program called the Country Digital Acceleration or CDA program uh, at Cisco. We are working with 48 countries around the world to help them uh, accelerate their national digital agendas. We are seeing massive investments in, um, in digitization, certainly in our 48 countries, but countries all around the world. And alongside those technology investments, they're making investments in education. 
doing one without the other is very problematic because you're making all of these technology investments if you're not investing in the intellectual capital to be able to maintain, manage, and innovate with those technologies that are being placed out there, then you're really throwing money down a technology black hole. The two have to be done in parallel. The tech industry has been making headlines for a series of layoffs over recent months. Uh, Cisco itself has also announced nearly 5,000 job cuts. Can you explain the decisions behind those change, the changes rather that forced that decision, and are more job cuts to come? You know, I think our entire industry, and, and you know, I can generalize here and say the entire world, but certainly our industry is coming out of one of the most seminal events that we will ever experience in our lifetimes, the pandemic. Our industry did the best it could to respond, to keep people connected, and, and now we're just simply responding to, um, uh, to coming out of that and, um, and doing the very, very best that we can as an industry. Guy, what's the most exciting innovation or development that you see on the horizon at the moment? The most exciting thing that I see coming down the pike is connecting the unconnected. There's still 45% of the world that isn't connected. There's 45% of the world that won't get to see your show. There's 45% of the world that will not connect to anything outside of their immediate environment. And we aim to fix that. We aim to connect the unconnected. And in doing so, we will lift 500 million people out of poverty. We will contribute $6.7 trillion to global GDP. So it's not just the right thing to do, not the, just the moral thing to do, but it's also an economically prudent thing to do. Guy Diedrich, thank you so much for joining us on France 24 today. My pleasure, thank you. Taking to the skies without a pilot. It's not the reality yet, but Airbus is among those testing autonomous flying technology. The software is currently being designed as a safety measure in case a pilot is incapacitated, but it could offer a peek at the future. Your captain speaking with a distinctly robotic voice. In one zero nautical miles, starting descent. This is a sneak preview of a plane capable of landing autonomously, guided only by artificial intelligence. With a sensor in the cockpit and an onboard camera, this technology developed by Airbus will be able, in the event of pilot incapacitation, to land the plane securely. It's a computer program capable of moving the aircraft from left to right, and it can also control the thrust lever. It has the ability, on the one hand, of determining what is the most suitable airport to be diverted to, and it also allows the plane to calculate the trajectory of the diversion while avoiding all obstacles so as to make a safe landing. The aim is to avoid disastrous scenarios like in August 2005 northeast of Athens when Helios Airways Flight 522 with 121 people on board crashed shortly after takeoff. The crash occurred because both pilots passed out after a loss of pressure in the cockpit. With the help of artificial intelligence, Airbus hopes to give the aircraft the ability to respond. It has been tested with a large plane, the Airbus A350, but it can be adapted for any aircraft, helicopters, drone taxis that are currently being developed, bringing us closer to airplanes that are completely autonomous. 
The computer should also be able to guide the plane to steer on the ground. The first tests took place several months ago in Toulouse, but Airbus has not yet released a date for the introduction of the new technology. That's all for now. Don't forget you can find this and our previous shows on the France 24 website or as a podcast wherever you usually listen. You can also get in touch with your comments and questions on social media. Until next time, thanks for watching. De que los crímenes de periodistas se deben de perseguir con toda la fuerza del Estado para desalentar los ataques a periodistas. No es la solución que nos pongan un agente ministerial o un policía detrás de nosotros. Porque el día que nos quieran matar, primero matan al escolta y después te matan a ti. Y tenemos que sembrar ese mensaje. El que toca a uno de nosotros nos toca a todos. No hay de otra. Y si para eso hay que derramar sangre, aquí está la mía. Y la que siga. France 24. Every art form. Liberté, égalité, actualité.